Hey everybody, welcome to the Amazon Book Club. This week we're reading The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor by Max Allen Collins. This is the novelization of The Mummy 3, so everybody hit pause, go read the first two, and then join us after the jump. My name's Austin Hanna. I am Ganesh Sarma. Hey, I'm Shane Berkless. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you almost you stumbled over it, but you got yeah. there. This week we're reading The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor by Max Allen Collins. Based on and, the screenplay by Alfred Gouge and Miles yeah, Miller. Yeah, before you, yeah, don't don't get too excited. This is the novelization of The Mummy 3. I didn't. Or maybe get really excited. I didn't see it. You know, me neither. I only saw half of The Mummy 2. And like it was like what? six months ago. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm all wrong. Which one's Scorpion King? Like, no, the one after this. No. After no, there's a no, this is okay. If we're gonna uh, I think it's between two and three. Oh, oh yeah. Its own thing. Yeah. It's like its own offshoot. They were gonna try to do a spin-off and then the CGI was so bad they all had to close up shop and go home. They tried. Anyway, that's the one I've only seen half of. So this is it. The Mummy Three. How do you guys feel about it? Well, I don't have time to watch the movie, but I have time for this. <laughs> that, that's fair. About the same amount of time, I think. It, yeah, it really can't be much different. No, it's way different. It is, because Ganesh is the best actor, and he plays all the parts. Yeah, Whoa. you're my favorite actor. You get the Academy Award for from me. Man, we should have reached out to Brendan Fraser for this one. What's he up to? He might have joined up. He He's probably have. just working from home. He, yeah, WFH. We can get him on a Zoom call. Oh, well, maybe next, next time we do a Mummy adaptation, we'll reach out. Hey, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, what we do on this podcast is every week we read a free ebook from Amazon Prime. Uh, we read the first page, the 25% mark, the 50% mark, the 75% mark, and the last page of the book. And then that's the end of the book. And then we try to forget about it for a week and we come back and do it again. Well, there's a huge problem this week. What's that? Uh, I don't think this book is electronic or free. That's right. This is an expensive book made of paper. Ganesh, how do you justify this? Well, I originally got this for a Patreon episode, but since we're not at the moment recording Patreon episodes, we decided we'll just do this one for everyone. Why gatekeep the Mommy 3 Tomb of the Dragon Emperor when it should be a treasure for everyone to enjoy? That's true. I think uh, this is a human right to have access to the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. But Scorpion King, that's going to go up on the Patreon. So let's... uh, Let's get into it. Can you should we read the synopsis of The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Starring Brendan Fraser, Jet Li, and other people? Well, that's just the movie. This one's starring you. Did they get Rachel Weiss again? I don't they think did. So. It's, all Ganesh, it's all Ganesh and Rachel Weiss. Oh, man. Rachel Weiss isn't in the movie, but she'll be in this episode. I believe uh, Evelyn is played by Maria Bello. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's bullshit. If you don't get Rachel Weiss, then why are you even doing it? Did they? Why didn't they just write off the character? Well, that would be tragic. No. Also, maybe real and gritty. The character married Darren Aronofsky and can't be bothered doing this story. <laughs> what a twist, considering this takes place in like the 20s. Darren Aronofsky probably does not look too highly on the Mummy series. Which is a real bummer because the first one is a lot of fun. And so is the second one. Second one's a little bit of fun. First one, tremendous. I'd like to point out that this writer, Max Allen Collins, 
not only did he uh, write the adaptation for The Mummy, he also wrote and directed a series called Mommy. Mommy, Mommy 2, and Mommy's Day. Are these like uh, TV shows? No, oh, those are movies. Movies? Films? These oh. are films? Mm-hmm. These damn. are feature films. Feature length? Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, I missed All right. those. All right. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't catch those ones. Maybe after this, I'll, uh, I'll dive into his catalog. One of my neighbors is hammering, by the way. But yeah. uh, we'll figure it out. It's Well, you know what they say. It's hammer time. Yeah, it's, you know, it's 9.20 p.m. It's a great time to bust out the tools and get to work. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer at 9.20 p.m. Hey, we talked about this last week. You don't have any tools. Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one tool. I have an electric drill. <laughs> well, that's good. I suppose I mean, you could desperate. hammer at the back of it. I'm in desperate need of a hammer. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves going off track this much before the freaking synopsis. Ganesh, tell us about this book so we can not pay attention to it for 45 minutes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Doomed by a double-crossing sorceress to spend eternity in suspended animation, China's ruthless dragon emperor and his 10,000 warriors have laid forgotten for eons, entombed in clay as a vast, silent terracotta army. Oh, damn. This is going to be Brendan Fraser versus the terracotta warriors? Yeah. (laughs) Holy hell. I might have to put this one on the tube later. Mm -hmm. Fellas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel I you. I got dude. you. Okay. Loud and clear. Blu-ray, baby. But when dashing adventurer Alex O'Connell is tricked into awakening the ruler from eternal slumber, the reckless young archaeologist must seek the help of the only people who know more than he does about taking down the undead. His parents, Rick and Evelyn O'Connell. As the monarch roars back to life, our hero finds his quest for world domination that has only intensified over the millennia, striding the far east with unimaginable supernatural powers, the Emperor Mummy will rouse his legion as an unstoppable afterworldly force, unless the O'Connells can stop him first. <laughs> My money's on the O'Connells. <laughs> so this is about their child? Mm-hmm. Who plays him in the movie? Is this a, is this a LaBeouf? No, that's Indiana yeah. Jones, dude. Shia LaBeouf plays the young version of all cool characters in later sequels. Oh, he's pretty cool. He was played he is pretty by cool. actor Luke Ford. What happened to him? One trick pony, huh? Maybe he got into cars. Like driving them or selling them? No, he just got into one and drove away from Hollywood <laughs> and never came back. All right. Well, that sounds fantastic. Uh, I, or do you want to do, do the episode? Should we jump now? Should we jump? You want to jump? Want to jump? Right. I'm a little scared. Stakes are high. The stakes are high. We're going to jump. Let's go. Let's jump to the first page of The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Someone yeah. drew all over this fucking book. <laughs> oh, wow, you didn't QC this book. There might be scribbles and words crossed out. We don't know yet. Uh, they might have written in curse words. It's just at the beginning. <laughs> Somebody was taking notes. This is for a college class. The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor for Lit 301. It's just the first couple of pages. They're blank anyway. All right. Terrific. Let's right, read it. Come five, on. Four, three, get into two, it. One, first page. Go. Mummy. No. Five, one, two, three, four, five. We already started. The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Go. Oh, that's your intro? Got stage fright. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. All right. Here we are. The first page of The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, a novel by Max Allen Collins. I'm trying to get us off on the right energy here. I so, want to feel productive. Okay. All right. We're kicking ass and taking names. Get in the get, it, get your game face on, man. What do you, what is this? Is this amateur hour? I mean, I thought we were gonna 
kind of ease into it. This is the fastest we've ever gotten into it. No, we're not taking it easy tonight, buddy. Let's get it. Yeah, let's, we're hitting homers. Let's get right into the in, into it. Come on. Okay. We're not taking okay. practice swings. Right. We're cranking Here them we out go. right now. Chapter one. Yeah, come on. Chapter one, call to adventure. Ganesh, what are you doing? What are you doing? England. <laughs> Oh, come on. You're killing it. A sip of water? No scotch. <laughs> uh, all right, he's getting into it. With steely-eyed, life-or-death determination, Rick O'Connell stared at his foe. You can run. You are the mummy. <laughs> you can run, he said, his voice softly menacing. But you can't hide. Among the enemies Richard O'Connell had stared down in his time were the Touregs on horseback in the Sahara, in his French Foreign Legion days, and any number of bloodthirsty mercenaries who had attempted to steal the treasures and his Egyptologist wife had uncovered for museums on various digs. And this did not touch upon the assorted reanimated mummies he'd dispatched, from pygmies to high priests to the great Imhotep himself. Yeah. Billy Zane's brother. I remember him. Billy Zane. He's Willie Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane's oldest son. He was greased up and mm -hmm. looked real good. They call him Trey because he's the third. Billy Zane's a junior. Is he really? William Zane's grandpa. Oh, uh, well, that sounds good. No, I don't. I'm, this is just a guess. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you wasting everyone's time, Austin. <laughs> oh, now who's wow. ready to go? Let's, let's get right. into it. Come on, chop, chop. Maybe ease guy. off the gas a little bit. If you're going to be nasty. Ganesh. Oh my Jeez. God. There's a, there's a middle ground, Ganesh, and you have yet to find it. And then there were the Medjai warriors, and of course, the Scorpion King. Boo. And. <laughs> yeah, boo. boo. Fuck you, Scorpion King. The fat brown trout swimming lazily, arrogantly through the warm, gently flowing waters of a chalk stream, theoretically perfect for fly fishing. On this beautiful spring afternoon in 1946, O'Connell, Rick to some, Ricochet Rick to others, Richie to his boys, was wielding neither rifle nor machine gun and certainly not a golden spear opened out of the scepter of Osiris. A few years past 40, O'Connell retained the athletic physique and dashing good looks of an adventurer. Just like Brendan <clears throat> Fraser. Strong jawed. <laughs> Very reminiscent of how Brendan Fraser aged. Poor guy. Just kidding. I love Brendan, dude. He's great. I, I mean, you all, I think you're in there with me. We're all part of a Brendan Fraser fan club on Facebook. Yeah, it's like 80% Russian bots, but... No one else I'd rather be a fan of. It's definitely a lot of, like, middle-aged Russian women, but, uh, you know, that's how you bring cultures together. Brendan Fraser. Photos of Brendan Fraser <laughs> from Encino Man. Oh, man. Remember when he was in Scrubs, dude? That was a good yeah. one. Real sad. Sad. Uh, tear, tear jerker. I believe he won the Academy Award for that. <laughs> that was the rare episode that they actually uh, released in theaters. That's what he needed to complete as mm -hmm. he got, and he got it. <laughs> yeah, and then the G-O and T were all from that episode. You know, that was right around the same time that he was in an actual Academy Award winner. Maybe the worst Academy Award winner of all oh, time. yeah. Crash. Crash. Terrible. Terrible movie. Horrible. Horrible shit. The, the Brendan Fraser in Ludacris vehicle. Yeah. I mean... Nah, there's no, you can't, it's a pretty bad movie. Really heavy handed. I remember everybody being like, you got to watch this movie. I was like 17. I wasn't even like young. And I watched it and I was like, this sucks ass. It's like 
seven years after Magnolia, and it's like a poor man's Magnolia. It's a poor man's anything. The only good part was Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Actually, just kidding. His part was awful. He was bad, right? I mean, Sandra Bullock just played like casually racist white yeah. people <laughs> with barely any redeeming quality. Hmm. A night at the movies. You think they made a novelization of Crash? Oh, for sure. Probably. Are you kidding? They were milking that thing for every buck they could get off of it. It was weirdly popular. I was shown that movie in class in high school. What class? I don't like history or something. Yeah, I think all early 2000s movies that won Academy Awards were shown in school, like Gladiator and Traffic. I definitely watched, <laughs> this is like the, I watched a, what's that Heath Ledger movie, A Knight's Tale? Oh my watch God. that in yeah. class it's like that, not it's the least historically accurate movie that's ever. Ups, that's really upsetting but that's a, <laughs> it is a good time at the movies dude. it is fun it's it's a fun movie dude it's great yeah. yeah you know i see that on tv and you know what i do i don't click past it Nah, you leave it on i click on it and you do other stuff in the background yeah uh you know the other only other movie i watched in, in school was lorenzo's oil i think it's the only place oh, that movie yeah, ever we, plays Oh man, yeah, we, we we had to watch. I had to okay, so we had to watch Lorenzo's Oil in, in ninth grade, and I missed that class, so I had to stay after school to watch Lorenzo's Oil alone with my teacher. Jesus, they made you stay after school to watch Lorenzo's Oil? Is that real? That's real, dude. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. That almost seems like gross. Mm-hmm. And everyone was okay. People signed off on that. Well, your teacher made you stay there alone and watch a movie with them. My truant son needs to go watch a movie with his yeah. teacher. Your parents are like, I guess that's a punishment that fits the crime of missing a movie in class. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't catch that one. We would always watch, um, they'd always put on uh, that rocket movie, October, October Sky. Sky. October Sky's a, a good, that's a school movie for sure. Remember the and Titans? That was I a also good weird, one too. I, yeah. I saw Cool Runnings a cool lot runnings. in school. Pirates of the Caribbean was on a lot at Whoa. my school. I don't know if I ever saw that in school. Our teachers just gave up. But I get it. That makes sense. It's like vaguely historical in an abstract kind of way. <laughs> I feel like I saw Newsies and West Side Story a few times also. Huh. That's why you always yell. Was that when you were at Juilliard? <laughs> Ganesh always yells, I'm the king of New York. Uh, <laughs> and he also yells Santa Fe a lot. So yeah, the Newsies thing checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Huh. Yeah, weird. It'd be so easy to be a teacher and just come in. I, if, I, I would be the teacher that just have a movie on every day. Yeah, it's usually substitute teachers that do the movies, dude. I don't think you remember how school works. Uh, I definitely had teachers that put on movies, and they were my regular teacher. Me too. Also, every day? All right. Not, well, not every day. I would certainly get fired until I got <laughs> tenure. Then it's movies every day. We're watching Varsity Blues, baby. <laughs> I don't want your wife. Hey, oh, come on. All right, what's happening? Are we reading this book? Well, I was trying. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. I'll pipe down for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Catch you guys next week. All right. It's going to be like a 30 minute episode. Let's go. Hey, I'm ready. If this was the movies, you'd be thrown into the chatterbox jail. <laughs> Is that a thing at the theaters near you? Yeah. It's called outs. They drag you out with a cane outdoors. <laughs> go on and get at Alamo draft house. They drag you out with one of those like sheep's hooks. Do they? Have you ever seen that happen there? I haven't. I've never seen anybody get kicked out. But once I had somebody kicked out of a movie theater. I think I was inadvertently. Damn. Was I with you on that? Or no, 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 no. No, you weren't. You were with me one time when I was a, a very, I, I said some choice words to people talking behind us. Uh, 
and they were like teenage girls. I was, I probably should have done that. No, you, I, I remember what you said. You, what did I say? we were, we were the opening night watching Juno. It was a Juno. Together. Yeah, we Juno. <laughs> and you turn around to these people and you're like, Hey, could you shut up? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. It stuck with me. I was like, wow. I think, I think that's the only time I've Rattled ever done me. that. And I probably only confronted them because they were literally like 15 year old girls. But they, I remember they were being quite, they were being rude, rude for sure. <laughs> At the opening night screening of Juno. Come on. Uh, what was I saying? I was in the middle of telling a story and then got diverted. Oh, the, for the other time you got someone kicked out. Oh yeah. I went and saw, uh, what was the third of the prequels Star Wars prequels, Revenge of the Sith. Uh-huh. I went to see that on opening day and I was with a group of friends and this, uh, this little kid behind us during all the most dramatic scenes just kept going, Hey daddy, I love you like a lot, like <laughs> over and over a couple times would have been okay, but he was doing it for like 20 minutes. And so I was like, man, this kid sucks. And I forgot that my friend was the manager of the theater and he literally kicked the kid out. That's <laughs> pretty <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. All he needed was for one of us to be like, yo, this is disrupting me. And he was like, I'm on it. Have y'all uh, ever gone to see a movie in Midtown? Yeah. Yes. I've been with you. I saw, we saw Infinity War. Oh, that's right. I've seen a couple. Sometimes if you go on like a Friday night, it's like a fucking nightmare. Uh, yeah, of course it is. It's Midtown Manhattan. So is Union Square. Kathleen and I went, we, we saw <laughs> Annihilation. Ooh. Remember that one? I watched that on a plane. I've never seen it. It's weird. I've read the Wikipedia article, though. And right at the climax of the movie, there's this, there's this drunk dude, and he's like, he'd been like getting up and walking around. He's like talking to his girlfriend. His girlfriend's telling him to stop talking. This other guy in front of me goes... Excuse me, can you shut the fuck up, please? That was, that was me. <laughs> Direct quote. And then the guy was like, what? And he's like, well, you're kind of being a fucking asshole. Can you shut the fuck up? And, then, and the guy, he got so mad. So he, stu- he stood up and he's like yelling at this guy behind him. And this is like during the like, key moment of the movie. No idea how that movie ended because he just stood up and shouted for the rest of the movie. No one came and got him. And uh, I don't know how it ended. I, we left that theater being like, that movie sucked. but. I don't know. Maybe it was good. It was just the guy. What movie was it? Annihilation with uh, Natalie Portman. I think Oscar Isaac, maybe. It was probably fine. I don't know if I ever told you this. Here's like the funniest thing that ever happened to me at movie theater. I, when I was in, when I was in high school, I went to go see Rent and I was like on a date kind of, it was the girl I went to prom with. So we went and saw a movie and uh, we saw Rent and like during the, we were talking, but like during the previews, like it wasn't even the movie. I don't even know if it was like the trailer. I think it was like literally the commercials before the movie. We were talking and this like big cowboy redneck man was sitting next to me and he leans over to me and he goes, Hey, do do y'all like popcorn? (laughs) And I said, uh, yeah. And he goes, if I get y'all some popcorn, you shut the fuck up. I was like, Oh my bad. So I like shut the fuck up. But then anyway, it didn't end there. So like we start, we start watching the movie and this guy clearly had no fucking idea what he was getting into with rent. Oh, and like yeah. once it okay. starts being about like, you know, gay people having AIDS, he's like, he starts like being like, what is going on? Like he starts talking to me. He was like, what's what? I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was like, yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> but I shut up. I didn't want any popcorn. What a character. Weird uh, guy. Was he alone? No, he was. With, of course he was with his girlfriend. This man did not come to see rent by himself. No, he was like young. In my mind, he was like the strongest man alive, but he was probably like 22 or something. <laughs> I don't know. 
I certainly wasn't in a fighting shape. What a good line to use on you, though. It was pretty good. I had to. I admired it. I thought it was I immediately. I felt like, oh, shit, I should shut up. But then I also was like, I was really funny. I think I even laughed. I was like, OK, <laughs> that's big Chesterfield energy right there. That was at Commonwealth 20 in Lothian, Virginia. So avoid. <laughs> I give that one a thumbs down on Yelp. All right. What's up? Is this what was I reading? I fucking where was I? Um, you were at the part where they're fighting the mummy. Mummy's here. Ding dong. But rather than an open collar shirt with its sleeves rolled up and a sidearm in its snap holster at his hip. A smartly dressed mummy. O'Connor wore a tailored tweed jacket oh. and rubber boots. A creel resting on his hip. The very image of a gentleman fisher. Oh, that was my screen name. <laughs> the gentleman fisher 88. Yeah, you stop ping me. That was my OkCupid profile. I'd message women and say, howdy, ma'am. One o'clock, ten o'clock, he muttered. And he forced his forward cast only to catch himself in the seat of his pants. Then he felt a hook bite into his neck. Ah! This is the Brendan Fraser I know. <laughs> Little comedy mixed in with the uh, rugged good looks. His wife, Evelyn, was supposed to be the clumsy one in the family. He always found it endearing that her grace and ease could occasionally be interrupted by an awkward move. But what could compare to his clumsiness right now? Plowing through the willows, trying to untangle his errant fly, the tippet breaking, a branch poking him in the eye. And then, somehow, he was flat on his ass, on the stream bank, moisture leaching through the cloth, like blood from his wounded dignity. This is surprisingly good writing. Yeah, it is. What'd you expect? It's the Mummy franchise. Yeah. I was expecting Back to the Future written by George Guype. Listen. Don't first of all, don't drag George Gype through the mud on this episode. All right. Respect the Gype. Or they got a fucking key line wrong. Where we're going, we don't use roads. We don't use roads. Yeah, it is funny to just slightly fuck up a line from the movie. Well, I don't know any memorable lines from the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor. Not yet. I do. There he goes. That's the mummy. And that's the tomb of the dragon emperor. (laughs) (laughs) Then the other guy goes, oh, boy. That's a really famous scene. Eyes narrowing, his mouth a vicious slash and a pitiless face, he clawed at the wicker creel and fumbled for the Colt 45 revolver within. Then he was at the edge of a peaceful stream, taking aim at the wiggling tails, and his lip curled back as he said, Bite on this, you bastards. Mm. Then he began blasting in the water, splashing himself in the face, but not minding, smiling in grim satisfaction. Who did these damn fish think they were dealing with anyhow? He's shooting fish? I would love to see this on camera. This is the gentleman fisher? Gentle fisherman? Fisher gentleman? The fish, little fish and gentleman. Well, they just call me the little fish and gentleman. When O'Connell, at the wheel of a 1939 Phaeton convertible, rolled through the gates of the palatial estate he shared with Evelyn, the majesty of his Tudor-style mansion house, manor house, and the luxuriant green expanse of its grounds made no impression on him. What a hero. A huge mansion paid by plundering the goods of a... Long lost civilization in a country you've never been to. And he's lived there so long he's jaded. It's the 30s. It's the 30s, baby. Maybe the 40s even. It's fair game. It's, yeah, it's, at this point, if he's got like an adult kid, we got to be hitting the 40s. Is this World War II time? He had become used to living in a house that had more rooms. TBD, I suppose. That had more rooms than your average hotel. This was simply home to him and he took it for granted. Truth be told, a set of... And we had recently settled in for O'Connell. Now that the war was over and the jobs he and Evie had done for MI5 were behind them, 
nor had there been any talk of any new archaeological digs in Egypt or anywhere else. Now that Evie was riding again, when she wasn't out, <laughs> we dug it all up. We got it. <laughs> That's it. At some point, they got to get everything, right? Yeah, we got it. We got them, folks. We saw the whole shebang. It's cleaned out. On to the next one. They were after her to be curator again, and he knew she was tempted. But where did that leave him? What did an adventurer do in retirement? Was this... Did you say, did you say curator? Oh, sorry. Curator? <laughs> I don't even know what's right. Uh, just do your thing. Who am I to judge? I'm just a man. You're just a guy. We're just trying to live. Ooh, Shane's the man to your guy. Pretty insulting. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take that? Hey, we're at, we're on an even keel, bro. Seth, them's fighting words. Evie, I'm home. Jameson, his vetty board butler, materialized to lend a hand and said, "Oh, Mrs. O'Connell is at her book reading, sir. She's expected home for dinner." Swell. Ha, books. O'Connell thrust the creel at the unflappable fellow. We're having fish. Uh, let's stop there. <laughs> Bullet-ridden fish. <laughs> Pry these slugs out of these fish. All right. Well, that was the first page. All right. Uh -huh. Have you guys been enjoying fish in quarantine? No. You know, I haven't. I don't trust myself to cook it. Yeah. And I don't trust people to deliver it to me. Same. No fish for so me. I'm in a quandary. No fish. I'd eat it at a restaurant, like a nice restaurant. Yeah. I just don't trust fish to be delivered to me, right? Yeah. When it's 100 degrees out, doesn't seem too good. No, I don't want some guy biking around Brooklyn with my salmon in his hot backpack <laughs> next to his cubes of weed well when you say it like that it doesn't sound great mm -mm. well the weed adds a little bit of flavor to it it's a little aroma yeah no no fish for me i've been thinking about it i want to cook up some fish myself but i also think like i'm gonna give myself food poisoning we like like a fish stick or something or it's not a fish stick you dope i could eat that <laughs> if i wanted to <laughs> talking about like i mean a... i don't know you don't really seem like you're eating much beyond fish sticks in terms of seafood why why i don't know I feel like I, what, what do you eat? What kind of fish, what kind of seafood do you eat, Ganesh? All of it. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. Why can't I eat that? What about me says that I, I don't, don't eat? I, you don't seem like an adventurous uh, food eater. A, a food eater? For one thing, the only thing anybody should be eating is food, Ganesh. And two, I, I feel like I'm as adventurous as you are. I've never said no to anything. All right. What have you eaten sea urchin before? Have I eaten sea urchin before? Uh, I don't know if I have, but I wouldn't be opposed to trying it. Okay, that's cool. About like a like a sea snail, a sea snail. What is that like? A uh, uh, what is that? No, I'm losing. I'm losing the. It's thread. a snail that lives in a shell. Escargot. Is that what? I'm, is that what that is? No, no. It's like a big uh, snail that lives in like a giant shell. Uh, you know, I don't know. And it crawls around the the seafloor. How do you do? You cook it? How's yeah, it prepared? You like, you like torch it with a blowtorch. Yeah, I could eat that. I'd eat anything cooked. I, I'm a little, I don't know about eating raw stuff. You're missing out. You surprised me. I mean, I eat, I eat sushi or whatever, but I don't know if I'd eat like some raw stuff is gross to me. I mean, what? I don't know. I feel like I've never said no. I'll eat whatever you put in front of me. I'm now realizing that over the past couple of weeks, Shane and I have really kind of disparaged your food taste. I think at one point Shane said that you, uh, <laughs> You're a soft food guy. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I don't necessarily disagree with that. <laughs> I didn't take offense to that. I am a soft food guy, and I'm sitting here saying that you you eat fish sticks and nothing else. I just don't really understand where that perception comes from. I feel like I've never been, and I've never been like picky about food. Hmm. Well, when this is all over, I can uh, spit some sea urchin in my mouth like a baby bird. 
We can do it together. On that note, let's jump into the 25% mark of uh, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Here we are. This is it. 25% of The Mummy. Something. Dragon Emperor. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor's Mummy Cage and the 10,000 Stone Men. Oh, shit. Chapter 4, Eye-Opening. China General Yang's training camp. China General? This is the President of the United States. Just reading what's on the page. <laughs> it says China half in general. Oh, uh, okay. Even weirder, actually. Yeah, it's, it seems to be a blind spot of Max Allen Collins, <laughs> but... <laughs> hey, it's a product of its time. 2003. <laughs> it's probably later than that, even, right? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, when did this come out? Like, 2008? Yeah. This is an Obama era. 2008. Damn. You know your movies <clears throat> and books and adaptations. Hell yeah. That's right. I know my mummy trilogy. Under a high, hot sun and orderly arrangement of yurt style tents encircled the sprawling ruins of an ancient Ming temple. Carts of ammunition and weapons and other military gear were neatly stacked at various key points. Nearby, platoons of Chinese mercenaries in gray uniforms representing no modern nation bearing the insignia of Emperor Erxi. Huang Di's three-headed dragon were engaged in a variety of training exercises, including target practice and close order drill. Air Shuang Di's nuts, am I right? <laughs> Show some respect, dude. Uh, I just did. I just did. That's the highest form of respect yowzers. I can pay. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a yowzers, okay? A yowzers from the back. Man, you need to get hosed down, I think. It's been far too long. Hose daddy. Hose Daddy now partnering with the Owzers <laughs> to bring you the hardest hose pressure yet. When you get hit with that hose, you're going to say Owzers. <laughs> Through the training field rumbled a chauffeured jeep with a general in the back who received salutes from officers as the vehicle passed. This was General Yang, who also represented no nation other than that of his own ambitions, his rank self-bestowed. Damn, you can just do that. You can just be like, yo, I'm a general now, and then that's it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it happened quite recently, the No Nation stuff. Uh, like how Russia in the Olympics was just called like something else. It's the same thing, basically. <laughs> Shane sounds like an expert. I trust him. Yeah, there was a lot of confidence <laughs> in the explanation. Well, yeah, I could go on, but I, I won't. Yeah, it's just like the Olympics when the Terracotta Warriors showed up as the No Nation team, and then they won the pole vault. Yeah, they didn't do so well in swimming on account of what they're made of. <laughs> Well, these guys are obviously the bad boys, huh? I guess. I mean, I also feel like... They have like a three-headed dragon on their costumes? Bad stuff. From a historical perspective, Rick O'Connell is a bad guy. Yeah. Is everybody bad? Is it their fault that they were summoned from the depths to come back to haunt this earth? Like, that's just their cross to bear. I don't think that makes them bad, per se. That's true. That's a good way to think about it. But Rick cashing in off of... uh off of the backs of other people. Honestly, yeah, he's the bad guy. So to live in a mansion and he doesn't even appreciate it? And his son's going to do the same thing? And his <laughs> wife Maria doesn't Bella? even look like Rachel Weiss anymore? He's kind of just like an opportunist. What's the fucking point? This guy's bad. He's bad news. Anybody anybody in his circle is like, what happened to your old wife? Where'd your old wife go, Rick? She was just in a history of violence right before this. She was on a bigger and better thing. She couldn't be bothered with the Mummy 3. I'm talking Maria Bello. <clears throat> if memory serves. Oh. I don't know her. Well, if you watch History of Violence. Haven't? 
won't. A tall, slender, yet round-faced man with thinning dark hair and a trim goatee, Yang had the intensity and intelligence of a real general and the hard, cold eyes of a genuine sociopath. Sounds like the devil. Hmm, I think it's too cliche. Do you think the devil has a goatee? No way. Soul patch, yeah. But in the end, wouldn't that be the most devilish thing of all? Just, like, the all the irony? To lean in? Yeah, I do have a goatee. The irony is if, if you get down there and you and all that's waiting for you is a mirror. Ooh, <laughs> damn. That's deep, sh- dude. You ever think about writing? Put pen to paper, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm going to be the next Dante. <laughs> that's what you've been saying for years. Yeah, that's why they threw you out of your English school at, in college. Yeah, that, that's why. Mm-hmm. This kid keeps talking about Dante. <laughs> You right. shut the hell up. It wasn't the the tardiness so, and the uh, not showing up for exams. Yeah. It was you raising your hand and saying, but what if it was a mirror? I had to take a mythology literature course. And there was a student in my class while we were reading Dante's Inferno who raised their hand and asked if it was real. And they really thought it was real. Damn. And it was very confusing. And I think the professor was very confused. Yeah. That person sounds like an idiot. But was is is it real, though? Um, yeah, it is. Is it based on a true story? True events? It's 100% real. Damn. The joke was on all of us. Half an hour later, Yang was studying a map at his desk in the strategy room he had had equipped within the crumbling Ming Temple. A large banner with the three dragon emblem draped behind him. Through a ruined doorway, an officer entered, but not just any officer, a beautiful woman who made the crisp gray uniform, black leather trimmed cap, and black leather boots seem fashionable. Do tell. And not just any beautiful woman either, but Choi. Excuse me? The Scarface beauty who had positioned herself in a dark alley across from the Imhotep's nightclub to gather intelligence on Alex, Rick, and Evelyn O'Connell. Damn, if I was a Scarface beauty, I'd definitely be positioning myself in shadows to appear mysterious. Yeah, but- she says, say hello to my little leather hat. <laughs> a little leather hat, even? Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking, you know, leather pants, well, gloves. Well, she's wearing a leather hat. hat. Yeah, you think it's a kangle? Yeah. Yeah, you talking kangle? It's a kangle, dude. It's a kangle. You're gonna want a kangle. That's what uh, Samuel L. Jackson's <laughs> tailor said to him. For 35 years. Gonna, in 1995, somebody said, you gotta try this hat on. And he's never took it and off. He was like, oh yeah. Except for Star Wars. That's the look. It'd be funny if you had the kangle on in Star Wars. You know, that would be the ultimate fan edit. Mace Windu with a kangle. That would be. If the Emperor blew the kangle off his head with his force lightning, that bumps it up a half star at least. And then in the next movie, uh, you see Jar Jar finds it, and it's like still smoking, and he puts it on. <laughs> <laughs> the smoldering kangle. They have the funeral for Mace Windu, and it's just, yeah, the black smoldering kangle on like a beautiful bed of blankets lowered into a grave and he's just like misa likey and he takes it and then it goes and then it like zooms in on his face and it's i think you guys are missing a huge opportunity here oh yoda in a kangle oh shit would look so good yoda in a kangle in a diaper now that's what we're talking about (laughs) that's a look fresh l-e-w-k fresh Nothing fresh about Yoda. We've already treaded that ground. Yeah, he's a little sour grape. That boy that stinks. <laughs> he stinks. <laughs> yeah, he Yoda's is. A, he's a stinky guy. He's nine hundred years old. This boy's ripe. If he's bathing, he's bathing in swamp water. Hey, that shit. He ain't smell bathing. Good. He ain't bathing, dude. But if he were to, it's in a swamp. You can't get that stink off after all those years. The guy fucking stinks. He stinks. I say we put him down. <laughs> 
take you to the vet, put him to sleep. Bye, buddy. It stunk. She was here to report on our spy duties, standing before the desk and giving a razor sharp salute before saying in Mandarin, the Econos are indeed in Shanghai. They assembled at the club owned by the O'Connell woman's brother, a fool named Jonathan Carnahan. Is that the same guy from the movies? Oh, yeah. yeah bro. Love that guy. He was the best part of the movies. Where's he been? He was so funny. He's on the cover of this book. He's on the cover of the book? Uh-huh. But, like, off to the side. Like, really small. Well, he's no Rick. That's for damn sure. And he's not even the mummy. He's the comedic uh relief yeah him and the little monkey those are the two sources of comedy in the first movie oh yeah wait what monkey so there's a monkey right <laughs> second movie i think maybe i'm just thinking of dunstan checks in oh well how could you not not a day goes by where that doesn't run through my head the whole thing mm-hmm. a big dci nut <laughs> i just love hotel lore <laughs> yeah love to take a peek inside the running of a hotel uh, from the perspective of a man who's adopted a monkey. I like that Jason Alexander tried to try to leave that George role. And that's what he came up with. Dunstan checks in. The most uh, upsetting part of that movie is that Jason Alexander has a full head of hair. You know, it's not real. Of course. That's the worst. That's why I don't like it. So who are you kidding, man? You're George Costanza. Take the hair off. I guess the kids, maybe. But maybe he's trying to capture a whole new audience. Didn't want to scare the kids. The CG budget was huge for that. <laughs> it was. It was like a big Jimmy Neutron hair. They blew it all on the hair. Didn't didn't uh, didn't save any for the monkey. They could yeah. have had two Dunstans. Dunstan and Runston. But no, they had to do his hair. They went for the hair. The hair, as Roger Ebert reviewed as, low polygon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like one PlayStation texture. <laughs> Bad physics. His hair looking like a Tekken fighter. Back to the drawing board. He gave her. Do you think Dunstan's still alive? Sorry, Ganesh, but do you think Dunstan? Do you think Dunstan's still alive? I don't know. No chance. I don't know how long do they live. The orangutan. I think they could live like ninety years. They live pretty long, productive, healthy lives. Ninety? I mean, we could find this out right now. Ah, uh, don't bother. Don't put yourself through that. Don't mean to click clack on the keyboard. Dunstan still alive. It might be bad news. I don't want to be sad. Ganesh is doing it quietly. Oh, he's still alive. You know who else is still alive and doing well? The snake around Britney Spears' <laughs> neck at the VMAs. Really? Read that in an article the other day. Yeah. Still kicking. Who plays Dunstan? You know the ones when you go on good websites and at the bottom there's little spam ads for news articles for all those bad sites? <laughs> That's the good I read stuff. those. <laughs> Honestly, those headlines are like the good stuff. That's what I really want to read, but I'm too chicken shit to click them. I love that real news sites have those ads. Like you'd be on CNN and there's like a real news story. And then to the right, there's like a thumbnail that's like, these celebrities <laughs> grew up to be ugly. <laughs> it's like, this is, this seems inappropriate. No, dude. Dunstan died. When? What? 9-11. 9-11. December 24th, 2010 on Christmas Eve at the right age of 21. Ooh, wow. Drank too much. In Florida. <laughs> oh, of course. Damn. In Florida, would he die in a fireworks accident or something? I think it was a boating accident. <laughs> He's high on cocaine, going 90 in a boat right off the shore. Yeah, I could see it. Hit a jetty, flipped. See it, Dunstan. <laughs> Dunstan checks out. He was almost our age. He was born. Well, you know what's crazy? He was born on December 23rd, 1989. Wow. The Christmas baby, 1989. And he died. December 24th. Well, he's a millennial. Yeah, he died on July 4th, oh man. My God. December 24th. Oh, December 24th. Oh, my bad. I the heard you say that earlier. Birthday. I, I do apologize. Wow. He couldn't live to see one more Christmas. Damn. They should write a book about that. He just hit the legal drinking age, too. Dunstan's last Christmas wish. Yeah, he could drink for one day. And boy, did he. <laughs> he went wild. 
puking up his guts. Oh, that's sad stuff. Rest easy, Dunstan. He gave her the cold blank stare that was uh, his response to good news, bad news, and everything in between. Do they have the eye? They do, General. This news brought a remarkable response from the stone-faced general, a tiny curt smile. Ooh, hee hee hee. Then our hour is at hand. Call the troops to order. Hee 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 is not curt, my friend. The smile was curt. The hee 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 was audible. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. In uh, minutes. Also, I've just been thinking, sorry, that if you wanted to make a really cool theme park ride, uh-huh. you could have like a VR roller coaster of like Dunstan moving through the air vents in the hotel. Oh my god, a Dunstan checks in VR Universal Studios blowout ride would be amazing. It would be. I agree. But I'm in no position to make that happen, so continue reading, please. (laughs) Yeah, fair. In minutes, General Yang was standing on the steps outside the crumbling temple to address his 75 mercenaries turned zealots in perfect formation and supervised by the lovely woman with the scarred face, Colonel Choi. His head was up, and as he said in Mandarin, soon all of what's up, dudes, <laughs> was uh... <laughs> a good morning, Vietnam. Soon all of our training, all of our sacrifice will bear fruit. <laughs> Out of this soil soaked with the blood of centuries, we will raise our emperor once more. Ooh. Ooh, ghastly. All eyes were on the general, his men as motionless as the emperor's terracotta warriors. He continued, we will live for him and die for him until China is again the most powerful nation on earth as it was 2000 years ago. We will fulfill the vision of Er Shi Huang Di and rule the world. I I think, Ganesh, I think you're you're playing down the seriousness of this. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) come on, man. You want to talk about respect. (laughs) Is about to summon the dead, dude. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You do need some ooze and blues. There's only so much you can do with the medium of audio in terms of a book. <laughs> wow, what a realization <laughs> we've had 100 episodes in. If only well, it turns we had out video. there's only so much we could do. Yeah, if we just had video, this thing could really kick up a notch. Hmm. Yeah, you could bust out the fog machine. Ganesh used to have the best fog machine. <laughs> he was a big fog machine guy for sure. Oh, man, I want my house to look like it's a fucking opium den from the 70s. Well, a lot of fog. Mission accomplished. A lot of, a lot of lights, a lot of colorful lights. Yeah, hanging out with you for a while was a lot of lights off, lasers on, fog heavy. Yeah, we're doing a lot of psychedelics back then, man. You were. <laughs> you really did it's have fun. a nice little setup, I gotta say. I think back on it and I'm like, Ganesh had a very, it was very, it was your own bedroom, but it was set up to entertain. You only thought of others. Very courteous. That's true. Aww. The light bulb in Ganesh's <laughs> bedroom was green from the ages of like 18 to 25. Listen, I just wanted everyone to have a really chill time. The light help helped. <laughs> so did all the Percocets. Um, all right. So it looks like he's about to summon this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Bing, bang, boom. Here comes the mummy. Is Jet Li a mummy? In the movie? He's not. I mean, I guess they're kind of mummies, but they also kind of seem just like ghosts a little bit. In the same way, Billy Zane's brother was a mummy in the first one. Well, maybe uh, Jet Li might play, might have been cast as this like general guy. Yeah, I believe so. Can you hear my neighbor? Yeah. Yeah, they're woo-wooing. Give it a second. What are they saying? They're like calling their pet. What's their name? 
the people behind me have a cat that I believe is named Louie. Well, that's gotta be confusing. Well, no, my Louie is always inside. <laughs> There's, they're always like, Louie, where are you? I'm like, I know where my Louie is, right here. Does he perk up? No, he barely responds when I say his name, let alone somebody <laughs> out the door. And- you gotta talk to him more, dude. I talk to him all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, you, you gotta ask him about his day and stuff, man. I talk to Louie nonstop. I mean, he does know when I'm saying his name, but he's also just like, he he's does his own thing. Then he comes to me when he wants attention. Does he sleep on your bed? Nope. <laughs> Where's he sleep? He sleeps in the living room. Wow. It's a lonely life. Mm. I mean, I'm here all day with him. <laughs> yeah, he just needs a little breather. Actually, that sounds pretty nice compared to what I got going on where my pet's smothering me 24-7. Yeah, no, I don't like pets sleeping with me. I mean, if I was like taking a nap and he was sleeping with me, it'd be fine. But at night, no, he just he hangs out in the living room. Or like he sleeps on a box in the hallway. <laughs> All right. I think my neighbors are done. All right. Let's stop there. What? How's that going to work? All right. Well, this episode's hot and lazy, (laughs) which is fine with me. We've somehow managed to make it an hour without getting to 50%. Yet again. Uh, This is is good. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we call good in the podcast business. Good. Oh, hey, you know what they say? All content is good content. That is what nobody says or feels. (laughs) Let's jump to the 50% mark of the mummy, the dragon emperor's uh, big day to the fair. for three more pages to read let's start with the 50 percent mark of the mummy the dragon uh emperor's new groove chapter seven gateway to paradise and the himalayas pristine white peaks pierce the blue sky like shark's teeth but mad dog mcguire sitting on an apple box in the snow was not terribly impressed so he brought his he brought his apples with him huh okay he did, or at least the box. Just the box. He's a short man. Boost that butt. Needs a boost. Off the snow. He'd seen mountains before, and in fact, he'd seen these. Warm in his well-weathered, fur-lined, leather flight jacket, the stubbly-faced Irishman was hunkered near a field stove, making himself a gentle, manly cup of tea. What was on his mind was his own weakness as a negotiator. He had allowed his old foreign legion comrade, Ricochet Rick, to pay him in two installments, once for the flight to the mountains, and then another later for the flight back. Since the odds were against Rick and his little party ever returning, this had not been the shrewdest bargain McGuire had ever made. His attention was drawn by a rumbling roar that he knew was a plane. C-119, he reckoned, but it was not coming from above him. No, rather (laughs) from the valley below. C-119 submarine? Well, at this point in time, there's probably, what, 10 types of planes? Yeah, just 10. You had the biplane. (laughs) You had the plane that the the Red Baron flew. Uh Uh-huh. The pizza uh, man. Yep. That's the good one. Uh, you had the, um, the Amelia Earhart, which was gone. Yeah. So that's t- that takes one other rotation. That's nine planes left. Then you had... Um, You're the one that Snoopy flew. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Small. Well, then you got the Wright Brothers plane. Yeah. That's still out there. 
That's still a plant. The Kitty Hawk one that's got like the this little shark on it. Uh-huh. And then I think rounding out the bunch, we got Fat Man and Little Boy. You know, the, the planes that carried them. That's all the planes. He got up from his seat and moved to the plateau's edge where, from behind a boulder, he watched his suspicion confirmed as a C-119 glided in and touched down. The Fairchild C-119 flying boxcar was a transport aircraft, perfect for conveying troops, which McGuire soon saw was the case here, a general followed by a bizarre martial figure of reddish-brown were the first out, succeeded by several scores of troops in gray military winter uniforms. McGuire thought, there goes my second payment, and headed for the radio. Cut. Um, he's Irish. Can you do his thought in an Irish accent? Yeah, come on. Oh. Nope, never mind. <laughs> no? Don't do that. Don't do that. Daylight was dying, and they had to keep moving. The trek up the mountain was not so steep as to be impossible, but steep enough to make Alex O'Connell's legs ache. And he was a very fit young man. Um, buns of steel. Got that from his daddy. You know, he probably would have been a good Superman. Who? Brendan Fraser. We're talking about his son here. Oh. But you're not wrong. Brendan Fraser would have been a good Superman. Maybe like 1995 Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Be a good addition to the Marvel Universe even today. Yeah. Who? He could play, he could play Kingpin. <laughs> no, he doesn't have the eyes for Kingpin. He do contacts. He's a professional. No, he, he's not fierce enough in his eyes. You're going to make him shave his head, dude? Yeah. No. He's going to look uh, great. Don't take his hair from him. <laughs> That's all the man has left. He could be... Just kidding. You know... Brendan Fraser's probably kicking ass right now, dude. I wish I was Brendan Fraser. I don't know why people give him a hard time these days. Well, they stuffed Michael Cheatlis in a Thang costume. You know, Brendan Fraser <laughs> could be a good thing. He could be the thing for sure. I could see that. He's got the voice. Well, he's already in I, that other comic show. He's the new Magneto. Is what I think. Brendan Fraser, Magneto. Oh, nothing better. Brendan Fraser, Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, uh, and him do don't talk at all about fitness regimen. Just Brendan Fraser. Just Brendan Fraser as huge as as Hugh Jackman <laughs> as Wolverine. I could see it. It's getting hot. All right, keep going. The snow had an icy cutting edge as it did its best to discourage them as they trod the path between the mountainside and the rocky shelf. Alice could not help but harbor some resentment stuck back here toward the tail of their little procession. He would have rather been at Lynn's side. She was up front using a gnarled walking stick, more suited to a crone than a young girl. But the way was rugged after all. Meanwhile, he was stuck back here helping Jonathan encourage the horned hairy beast piled with their supplies and armaments. Even his mother was in front of him and his father, of course, was right behind their guide. Listen, Jonathan. Alex said, his breath plumbing. Can you handle this beast of burden? Might I ask why your father has your lovely mother? Jonathan said, eyes hooded, face ice flecked. And you have delicious Lynn, whilst I have been paired with a yak. Just wondering. Oh, thanks, Uncle John, Alex said and moved over snowy, rocky ground past his mother and father, catching up with Lynn. Where are the mummies at? Uh, they're climbing up to get them, I think. I want more mummies. Not enough mummies. I didn't realize this. I guess the second movie is like this too, but it's a, it becomes like a family adventure. It's a family affair for sure. But even Indiana Jones did that. But that's probably the but best one. Sorry. Doesn't mean I want it. I just want Brennan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, and maybe the brother. Spare the kids. Leave them at home. I'd say, I'd say definitely the brother. Brother's good. I agree. Keep them around. If I was the director, this is the kind of stuff I'd be saying. But nobody asked me. Hi, he said. 
She glanced at him but said nothing. You know, I read up on Tibet once and it said monks stay warm by generating body heat. So, later, when it gets even colder, if you need someone to, well, rub against you for warmth, I'm your man. Guineas, you held the book while you were reading kind of in front of the camera and pretty sure there's a price tag on the front and it says $1.50. Nope. Is that right? It's $1.25. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a deal. Oh, a buck and a quarter, man. But you know, that's not what I paid for it. I paid like 20 bucks for it. <laughs> you Bam, did? You got, you got hosed, idiot. So you paid that money and then you opened it up and you see that big price tag just staring you back in the face. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? I take it. You take it? I just take it. You call your credit card company and report fraud? <laughs> Sir, I was told that this book would be near mint condition and... In fact, there is a lot of Crayola marker in the first four pages of it. I was sold this book for $20, and there is, in fact, a tag on the front that says $1.50. <laughs> I would like my $18.50 back. And a tag from the local library as well. The local library? So this shouldn't even... You, have, you shouldn't even have to pay for oh, this. Oh, that's even... This is a public good. No, this book, that means that the library put it up for, like, uh, sale or gives these because they were you know, making room for new books. And they were like, nah, no one's getting this one. Damn. So some savvy businessman went to the library, bought this off them for a, a dollar 25 and then upcharged it to 20 bucks and sold it to some dipshit in New York city with a podcast. That is a whole new business model. The ironic book buyer. Yeah. You got hosed. <laughs> Thanks for the money. We're putting it to good use, clearly. Somebody's cooking the books here. Somebody's got to keep an eye on Ganesh. Hey, I notate everything. If you go look at the account, there's a note for everything taken. It says, The Mummy. And then it says, Short Circuit. And it says, Back to the Future. And then it says, 25 gallons of lube. <laughs> what do you write these notes in? In, like, the <laughs> bank? Yeah. In your yeah. ledger? Uh-huh. In his ledger? Yeah, he breaks out his ledger and his quill. <laughs> Dips it in a, the inkwell. Are you telling me there's a bank account out there for the Amazon book club? Yes. I've heard it all. I ain't seen one red cent. Nor will you. Oh my God. You hoarder. Listen, I'll give you, a, I'll give you your fair share. Yeah, of two big fat noogies on your head. <laughs> I got your fair share right here. <laughs> what a business partner. Stick with me and you'll go far, kid. Uh-oh. Stick with me, you'll go fart. That's more like it. Been there, done that. From the radio, strapped to the yak, came the voice of their pilot. Uh, this is Delta Tango Alpha to Ricochet. Come in, Ricochet. O'Connell, in sunglasses, even late in the day, fell back and yanked the mouthpiece from the two-way radio walking along with the beast that bore it, Jonathan at the rear. Uh, yeah, come in, Delta Tango Alpha. Uh, you know those two fellas you said I should look out for? Well... I believe they just pulled up into town with their best boyos. Oh. Over. Uh-oh. We got a canvas top open with the boyos hanging out. Beep, beep. We got, we got a little Margaritaville <laughs> on the sound system. The boyos are here. Those fellas, of course, were General Yang and the Emperor. <laughs> oh, never mind. I misread the kind of crowd we were having. They could be getting down on the buffet. They never know. Yeah, it's true. And I bet there's nothing better if you're a mummy than having the windows down and having that Nice breeze running through your uh, toilet paper. I'm sorry. Mm. What? Yeah, it's, that's what you think mummies are wrapped in toilet paper. Um, no, that's wrong. That ain't right. No, it's paper towel. Sturdier. That's it's 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 brawny. My mistake. 
bounty if they run out. But yeah, I'm, it would feel probably pretty good. Yeah, you're right. It would. Universal feeling. Even mummies have them. O'Connell signed off, then moved back up to the front of Evie, calling, All right, people, we got to pick up the pace. Move! In the process of trying to do as O'Connell asked, Lynn slipped, and Alex is right there to catch her and help her regain her footing. He was unawares, as was Lynn, that Alex's mother had noticed the charged energy between them. Mamma mia. By sunset, the little party had reached its destination for the night, the ruins of a monastery on a windswept hillside swathed in alpine glow, looking idyllic against a Maxfield Parish sky of rouge and purple. As they tramped toward the shelter, Evie, who had fallen in alongside her husband, said to him, By my estimate, we have a half day's lead. O'Connell nodded. Still, we can't be sure. We'll sleep in shifts and keep an eye out for the Emperor and their troops. Walking backward, O'Connell called out to the rest of the party. Packs on backs and feet to the ground at dawn. There were no arguments. Is he rapping? Drop a beat for DJ Ricochet. They're the, uh, the rapping adventure family. Listen up, because I'm here to say I like to find mummies the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Colonialism. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's the producer. Do Take it from the top. Turn the base up. In what had been the main chamber of the ancient monastery, Evie stoked a charcoal campfire, surreptitiously watching her son and the Chinese girl as they unpack supplies from the yak. Again, Max Allen Collins got some blind spots, man. To Evie, in the flickering half-light of the campfire, the couple seemed in full-on flirting mode and the unpacking was taking forever. Finally, Alex crossed to his mother a box piled with blankets in his arms. Alex said, According to Lynn, if we leave at first light, we should reach the gateway by noon. Evie nodded. Did she happen to say how she knows so much about this gateway? Well, not really. Alex glanced back at Lynn, and when his face returned to his mother, his features were touched by a goofy lovesickness that did not encourage Evie as to his objectivity. She's kind of mysterious, enigmatic. Well, she certainly managed to enchant you. Alex frowned at his mother in confusion. What do you mean, Ma? Young love, Austin. <laughs> I'm a fan. All right. Oh, Alex, what I mean is you've spent the entire journey thus far trying to impress this girl. You're obviously attracted to her. Nothing wrong with that. Let's stop there. All right. Well, good for Alex. Fall in love while out hunting mummies with mommy and daddy. Hey, you just never know what's going to come up in this game called life. That's right. It's a real curveball. Can he hit it? <laughs> I guess we'll see. When we jump now to the 75% mark of the mummy. Dragons ate my homework. Terrific. Let's jump in to the 75% mark of uh, the mummy. The Dragon Emperor's uh, t uh, Tomb. The Dragon Emperor's Toothache. That's why he's got all those bandages. Boing yowzers. What do we know so far about what's going on? Oh, you tell me, man. All right. Rick, shoot fish. Yak, take family. Mummies. Somewhere. Bad generals, leather hats. And the sun is about to get it on. Am I right? All right. That summed it up. That sounds about right to me. That's the only part I remember. And planes. McGuire's plane banked <sighs> away, See, making go. a quick exit after delivering O'Connell, Evie, Alex, and Zhi Huan 
to a designated drop point in the desolate valley not far from the site the younger O'Connell had worked, seeking Urshi Huangdi's tomb. See, if I didn't say anything about planes, we would just be going like, what the fuck right now? You're right. So you're, t- you're totally right. Thank you. Call back King right here at your service. That's his new nickname. Maybe even warrants a theme song. We'll see what Ganesh thinks. I, I wouldn't go jazzy with it, Ganesh. No, 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 no. Really? I was thinking. I was thinking big band. I was thinking acapella. Wow. I'm thinking acid rave from like the 90s, like UK rave music. Can you do that? Yeah. Imagine Shane with a uh, pacifier in his mouth and the cat in the hat hat on. That's what I want you to think about. Oh, I got it. I was over here thinking about pentatonics like a fucking dipshit. Yeah. Get that, get that mess out of your brain. Hit your head a couple times with a frying pan. Get pentatonics out of there. <laughs> Are they still okay? Why were they so popular? I never They're understood never okay. that. I don't no, know. I mean, health-wise. I don't know what their deal is. Health-wise, no. I think three of the eight of them have, have passed. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. Eat each other. Plane crash in the Andes. <laughs> Brutal. Two days. That's it. They <laughs> eat each other real quick. Well, when you harmonize that hard, I, I sure it works the metabolism. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the real mistake they made was to immediately start singing after the crash for six hours. Worked up a, a sweat and a hunger. And uh, yeah, they turned on each other. The rest of Pentatonix was just around, uh, just down the mountain. It only took them a little bit to get up there. But by the time they got there, you clean those ribs dry. <laughs> Adios. You've sang your last key. Mm-hmm. That's right. Your final note. Rings through eternity. Cook me over your finest embers. As they, they sang, as the fire was lit. This is rough. It's too hot. We got to get out of here. Jonathan stayed on board with McGuire as per plans O'Connell had put in motion. And that's kind of what he does. Jonathan just kind of sits where the action is not happening and then the action usually comes to him yeah or he makes an oopsie and it makes the action like happen that's right he's the king of oopsies that's me the oopsie doodle dandy mm-hmm, I'm the, that's my formal name yeah <laughs> i'm the king of oopsie doodle dandy in fact it was already time to check in with jonathan <laughs> good call good call to just keep going o'connell knelt and clicked on his short wave uh, any sign of our flying friend jonathan's voice came back over the radio Negative. You better get a move on, though, if you're going to beat him to the tomb. Just do what I told you. O'Connell reminded his brother-in-law and clicked off. Nothing more wholesome than a race to the tomb. I'm going to get there first. I'm going to get that body. I'm going to desecrate it before you can. The little party began to walk, four abreast. The morning was cool, but compared to the Himalayas, seemed damned near subtropical. Alex, at his father's side, said, Dad, I know we're good. No question otherwise. But the Emperor will have thousands of warriors once he wakes them up. But it was Ziwan who answered, His terracotta army will not be indestructible. Evie said, They're made out of terracotta. Hit him with a big rubber mallet. Ooh. Boom. That's cool. Done. They're like the putties in Power Rangers. Just hit him in the stomach and their limbs go flying. Man, I loved that stuff as a kid. Me too. When they were just like doing nonsensical moves and then finally just hitting that big obvious thing in the chest that they've done a hundred times before. Yeah. Real weak point. Yeah, really true design flaw. Putties are really cannon fodder. Did anybody ever think about the putties families, their lives? 
What do they have going on? They're just thrown out in the front lines with the no defense at all. They're straight naked. Pretty sure they're born from the dirt, dude. You know what? I w- <laughs> hey, is that bad? You classist pig. You know where I'd really like to visit is those like gray rock fields in Japan where they filmed all that stuff in the 80s. Where do you think Me that too. is now? Like a condominium it's a condominium yeah probably because it was just like uh you know like a rock pit i don't know japan probably does a pretty good job of preserving their beautiful areas do you think that's like a historic site where they film power rangers and voltron i'm not saying it's historic but i'm saying i don't know if you'd knock it down and build a condo but hey maybe they would i don't know i think but that i mean even in the 90s they were pulling footage that was like 10 or 15 years old so it'd be interesting to see like what's there now because you know japan's built up quite a bit it's an apple store yeah i gotta say when i was a kid i had a thing for uh oh what's her name rita the bad lady you did what the fuck's wrong i with don't you? know man i was a weird <laughs> you had a thing for I was rita? a weird kid she's i get it she's quite attractive what i think it's the power thing honestly no she was yeah she's not shane just thinks she was hot shane had the hots for rita meanwhile ganesh was more attracted to her domineering <laughs> kind of vibe i on the other hand was i was a zed guy he liked his bright red body huh the muscles were right there. Remember Goldar? Hell yeah. Goldar's a goof. I, I got a Goldar action figure at a yard sale one time. It was the happiest day of my life. It still is? Um, yeah, honestly. Do you still have it? Uh, no, I threw it away. You threw it away? <laughs> you grew out of Goldar? I was like, um... Did you have a dramatic ending with Goldar where you were like, thank you for being there for me, Goldar, but now I must move to college? No, I was like, I'm more on the side of the good guys now. So I threw him away. Oh, you just became morally good. Evie said, well, that's comforting. Z1 continued. That is, not until they have crossed the Great Wall. Frowning, Evie asked, meaning no disrespect. Might I ask how exactly the four of us are going to fend off thousands of warriors? Well, when the Emperor built the Great Wall, he buried his enemies underneath, causing their souls to hold it up for him for all eternity. That's really fucked up. Man, you can't even escape labor and death. Bad boss. Tough boss, Alex said. <laughs> That's right, Alex. Evie was ahead of her son, <laughs> if not her husband. She asked, you know how to raise them from the dead, don't you? Expressionless, Ziwan said, there is a foundation chamber with an altar dedicated to the five elements. O'Connell said, ah, the elements. So what? I have one of those in my house. Ah, the elements Urshi Huangi controls. Yes. From this chamber with those powers, the emperor enslaved those souls Locking them in, so so to speak, most were captured soldiers who were then turned into slave workers. I will unlock them using the same altar, and I will call them to battle one last time. O'Connell was nodding. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, 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 mm-hmm. Unlock that altar, raise an army. Sounds like a plan. His wife glanced at him. An army of the dead, she reminded him. Right, yep, <laughs> zombies. But good guy zombies on our side. That's the kind of living dead I can get behind. Except they're slaves, you piece of shit. God, Rick is bad. I want him to lose. He might. It's the final movie. Well, they're doing this to free them from enslavement, dude. Oh, they are? They're forcing them to fight a battle for them. They're not, I don't think they're forcing them. Is that freedom? If they're free afterward. Uh, the moral quandaries of the Mummy 3, Scorpion Empire. Uh, who knew it would be so complex? Not me. Certainly wasn't ready for this. Alex walking along was thinking how casually his father was taking all this. Of course, no one on Earth had dealt with as many reanimated dead people as this old man, so he guessed he could understand it. But Alex had not been at this long enough to be nonchalant, and until the 2,000-year-old young woman he loved was freed from these literal evil clutches, he was unlikely to be. 
The wasteland where Alex O'Connell had unearthed the Emperor Mummy once again had tents near the base of the half-exposed Sphinx-like monument Urshi Huangdi had built in honor of himself 20 centuries before. This time, however, an archaeological expedition had been replaced by the gray uniformed soldiers of General Yang. For days, those men had been training and awaiting orders, hoping to hear from the general and from the arisen emperor who would lead them to victory. Snooze. Let's get to that freaking battle. Yeah, I want to see some mummy heads flying. All right, all right. Let me skip ahead a couple paragraphs. The dragon. We haven't even gotten to the cool stuff, you know, like in the first mummy with the scarabs that are crawling under Where's people's the skin. Good shit? Oh, it's so cool. Control F, find beheaded heads. Decapitation. Crouched low in a ditch, Rick O'Connell watched the celebratory scene through the binoculars thinking, that's fine, boys. Just keep using up the ammo. Next to him in the ditch were Evie and Z-Wan with Alex behind them flat on his belly against a mound using his binoculars to see for himself. It's a lot of words, dude. It's just a lot of, just a lot of words of them doing stuff, not fighting. Next. We're jumping to the last page of the Whoa. mummy, Dragon Butthole. The official decree of the 2000s. Next. this up let's go let's do it let's Head of go metal, baby let's wrap up what has surely been an excellent episode this is the last page of the mummy <laughs> tomb of the dragon emperor a novel by max allen collins based on the screenplay by alfred gouge and miles millar damn the whole crew you could tell holy fuck you can tell the boys went hard on this one alex was gazing dreamily into lynn's dark lovely mysterious eyes well you dance swell for an older woman he said you're all right she said melodically <laughs> For a youngster. Anyway, somebody told me something once. What's that? Stop living on the sidelines. You might miss out. And something else. Yes? You can live a lifetime in just one look. Hmm. Sounds like a very smart bloke. These outtakes from Ferris Bueller. Hey, stop and watch life. It might might get past you. Next. <laughs> All right. I can tell, man. You're done. I get it. I'm good. <laughs> we truly did miss all the cool stuff you want to go back and read it the pitfalls of this podcast for the first time let's jump backwards you want to no no i don't want it to takes do more time i don't want to do that all right <laughs> yeah yeah you can you can see it's a terracotta army everybody can there's a movie about this go watch it <laughs> i can picture it fair enough her smile was as mysterious and lovely as her eyes and they kissed still way off tempo and yet in perfect time with each other Rick O'Connell was giving his wife <laughs> one of those lifetimes worth of loving looks. So how is it? You ready to support me again? A wonderful smile blossomed on Evie's beautiful face. How's that? I think I've fixed you up with enough research so you can get back to the typewriter. Don't you figure Dash and Scarlet have their next adventure ready to go? Maybe I don't want to write about such things anymore. Oh? Why write about it when you can live it? Anyway, can we agree that... Don't talk about it. Be about it. Can we agree that retirement is not our style? Oh, yeah. Though I wouldn't mind putting mummies behind us. <laughs> Am I crazy? This will be my first real observation of this book. Okay. I feel like every line Rick has is just like him being like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> every line is just like, oh, what? All right. He's very aloof, dude. 
I guess that's how the movie is. Everybody's just telling him. Th- everybody's telling him things, and he's just like, okay, yeah. That's kind of the character. Yeah, he brings the charisma, and everyone else brings the knowledge. Well, the good looks are lost in translation in book form. And we also yeah. didn't get to see him whoop any ass either, so. <laughs> Surely. That's the lesson of this podcast. Good stuff happened in the parts we didn't read. Well, but we know that ass was whooped. Her smile turned surprisingly wistful. But darling. Somebody should do a companion podcast with ours where they read all the parts we don't read, and it's much better. Somebody can beat us to the punch and get to all the good stuff. But darling, you must admit there's something terribly romantic. <laughs> what, what else? What, what, they going to second base? Okay, so they're kissing. What else? He's going to get a handful. There's something terribly romantic about vanquishing the undead. True. And even more romantic, doing it with you. Her smile was shape-shifting into a pucker. Kiss me, why don't you? Ah, oh, you don't have to ask me twice, Mrs. O'Connell. Uh... They were kissing as Jonathan Carnahan, in rather nondescript traveling attire, suitcase in hand, was heading toward the stairs that led up to the street. McGuire crossed to him. Jonathan nodded towards the dance floor. Don't tell him I'm leaving. I'm simply rotten at goodbyes. Well, I got you, mate. But they're going to miss you. Me too. Who's this guy? Told. Who's this? this is a stranger that just showed up at the end? Mad Dog McGuire, bro. Um, where has this been? Has he had this voice the whole time? I don't know. Probably not, man. Oh, Lord. The two men shook hands warmly. McGuire put his hands on the hips of Jonathan's former tuxedo. Where are you off to, old son? South America beckons, tropical beaches, and a sea of suntan beauties. And he leaned, leaned into whisper. Twins. <laughs> not again. I love football on TV. And twins. Bring it back. Come on, folks. You want to we, uh, revive yeah, this, this podcast? Is on, it, it needs life support. Some Somebody needs to give us some chest compressions and and twins is the or just what the doctor ordered. Countless opportunities to seek one's fortune. Fame I've had my fill of. Tell you what, Mr. McGuire, I'll drop you a telegram when I arrive. Within moments, Jonathan was stepping into a taxi telling driver, airport, please, and step on it. I'm off to a place where they've never heard of mummies. The Chinese driver stared at him blankly. Jonathan sighed. <laughs> you have no idea what I'm saying, do you? Uh, well, I'd bet I'd better I'd be better off talking to a Yeti or perhaps a Yak. Oh well. Damn, pretty racist, dude. And he struggled to get his point across in wretched Mandarin. Finally, the taxi pulled into busy traffic on the neon lined street, Jonathan feeling a pang leaving the O'Connells behind, but honestly not seeing any reason why they might ever find an excuse to come visit him in Peru. He was, of course, unawares that before too very long, while digging a well, a Chinese farmer in the town of Xi'an, Jian, in the town of Xi'an, would discover the tomb of the terracotta warriors, which would come to be considered one of the greatest wonders of the ancient world. I knew that's, I knew that was a real thing. I was like, the whole time, I was like, man, that sounds mighty familiar. What? The terracotta warriors. That's like a real, like, uh, yeah, thing. what? Of course it is. Yeah. Everybody knows this. It's a huge you just, deal. You just had this realization now at the end of the episode? I knew the whole time. I don't that makes this that makes this episode worth it in the end. I knew the whole I time. I knew it the whole time I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> 
Are the credits rolling yet? What's going on? All right. <laughs> the, the producer's doing the wrap it up. Side. He was. Uh, okay, no, let's skip ahead. Uh, how they returned to their terracotta state after the great battle near the Colossus of Urshi Huangdi would be a mystery that Rick and Evie O'Connell and their son Alex would one day come to discuss. The O'Connells would also discuss the strange coincidence that almost simultaneously Incan mummies were found in the mountains of Peru. But that is another story for another podcast. And that's the end. Credits roll. You got the power blasting. Yeah, that's good. Well, that was everybody dance now, bro. That's, you know, there's they're the same song. It's kind of the same. Same thing. Well, what'd you guys think? You know, nothing. Have a good time. <laughs> Didn't think a thing about it. Felt like a book. Well, how about you, Ganesh? I feel like we missed all the good parts, and I feel that might be uh, my fault. So I apologize. <sighs> it's all of our well, fault. I've never, in all of our years doing this, I never have, this has never happened. <laughs> yeah, this is the regular. The huge. You know, I was really excited to read this book, too. Well, you know what you have to do now? Burn it. Now sell it for $40. You're a business guy. That's right. Upsell, baby. And put a sticker on it that says 75 cents just to fuck with them. Put a sticker on it that says $75 in two <laughs> bites. You know, I was thinking that we should run a contest where we give away these uh, these books. I mean, I think that I mean, someone will probably appreciate it, like, especially like the Back to the Future one. I think that's a really cool one. I agree. And I have the short circuit book that I think, um, well, I might keep, I'll probably keep this one for myself. Well, we got to read that one before you give it away. All right. Well, I'm going to keep short circuit. That's That one's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that one goes under your pillow at night. Uh, yeah, I agree. That'd be a cool giveaway. Let's announce it on a better episode than this. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody made it here. Only the true fans. This is alone time that only we will know exists. <laughs> is there any episode where nobody's heard the end? I wonder. Is there anything you guys like to get off your chest? Me? Yeah. No, I feel okay. Is there anything that, you know, you'd like to say with some privacy that, you know, not, not everyone's listening? I'm out in the open, baby. I'm in an open book. Well, we don't have to cast this thing, do we? Nah, it's already been cast. It's a movie. I just recast what's her, the the, the uh, lead actress as Rachel Weiss. That's all I'll do. And then we got to get Dunstan in there. Dunstan as the son would be good. Yeah, that's right, because he does have good, nice glutes. Yeah, and you know Dunstan was a he had a lot of muscles. Big strong Dunstan. Hey, Guinness, homework for you: find the Dunstan checks in movie to book. That has to exist. Thing. Damn, I'm getting homework now. Yeah. It has to exist. Hey, use uh, dip into the company funds again if you must. Pay, yeah. <laughs> spare no expense. <laughs> no budget on this one, bud. <laughs> you got a green light. You get me that Dunstan checks in book by the next time we record, and you it, it, money is no object. Get the fuck out of here! It is a book. For real? Yeah, for real? For real? Can All you right. buy it? Is it how, for sale? I see it on Goodreads. Or is it part of a rare books collection in wow. some distant library? Let's see. Rare books. Next to, the, next to the Gutenberg Bible. Garage sale rare books. Looks like I can buy it for 35 cents on, used on Amazon. Hell uh, yeah. Do that's it. a deal. You Which, want to talk about an investment that'll pay for itself? It's 35 cents, but the shipping is $1,200. <laughs> $1,200 and it'll take six to eight years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brisk 100 pages. Perfect for this. Easy peasy. I bet we could read the whole book. Can you buy multiple copies? Yeah, get one for everybody. And for the fans, that's what we'll give away. Buy a thousand copies. The people in Goodreads did not care for it. Hey, well, these, these people are okay. snobs, unlike us. 
We're salt of the earth, people who live in New York City with a podcast. Yeah, we're ding-dongs. Uh-huh. Great American ding-dongs. The end of this episode is much better than the rest. Let's just keep talking now. We should rename <laughs> We should rename this, this show the Great American Ding-dongs. Great American Ding-dong Variety Hour. <laughs> well, boys, looks like I just, uh, I'm the proud owner of Dunstan Checks In. You didn't, only one copy. How many do I need? We got to uh, get one to sign for the fans, one for you, one to send to the Smithsonian when our episode breaks records for podcast downloads. We could afford 40 copies. Can you go for that? Damn, shipping was $7. <laughs> Can you load up a couple copies in one go and maybe it's take advantage late. of that shipping? I already oh, did it. What, what do you have? Buy with one click, you psycho. You did $7.35 for Dunstan. That's not bad. It's not That's bad. not bad. Not bad at all. I think you'd get 10 for that. I think you'd get 15 for that. It seems like that that resale market is, you know, I I could probably make a killing. If I paid I $20 for the mummy, someone I could get someone to pay $21 for it. There's somebody who has a moderately more successful podcast than us willing to drop $40 on a book like this. Someone has got to be a little bit dumber than me out there. I hope. It's just the law of averages says. Yeah. Somebody. Please. If you're dumber than Ganesh, call in. What's the phone number? 567-309-0357. Pitch to us why you are dumber than Ganesh, and we'll give you a book. Sign. <laughs> we want your best answer. Why is Ganesh smarter than you moderately? I think we should do like a contest, like a t-shirt contest or something like that. Or people like put in like sending like a like, t-shirt contest for me. No, people send wet my shirt. Is that what you're saying? People send in like t-shirts. Yeah, we wet our shirts and then we vote <laughs> and, see, and see who who comes out the best. Who's the least appealing? No, the most appealing. Oh, okay. It's gonna be me. Jeez. I got this one in the bag, fellas. Yeah, there's that famous confidence. You got a body like a god. <laughs> Specifically, Ganesha. Ouch. That's true, though. It's your you know, it's funny bro. you say that because so every I don't know how aware of this you are, but I'm sure this is probably common with most Asian moms. But Indian moms specifically, anytime you come home, they'll just say how much you gained weight. And oh, really? it's oh, yeah, my entire life. It's like, oh, are you on a diet or something? Like, like my mom would be like, do are you can I make you rice? Do you want to eat like cauliflower rice or like I'm not sure if you're on a diet. Like it's just like really, it's just like really like you know underhanded ways of saying stuff like that. So yeah. the last time I went home, I was like, you know what? I was like, you know whose body type I have? Ganesha's, my namesake, and that that shut her up so quick. She's like, damn son, you're right. <laughs> Keep eating, pile on the rice. That's a beautiful <laughs> and layered story. It was. What a way to go out on this gem <laughs> of an episode. Nice touching tale of Ganesha's uh, home life. Well, that's oh, a wrap. What else is going on with you guys? Let's take this off air. This is this one's too loose. All right, wrap it up. Let's. Okay, here you, Gelman. <laughs> Shout out to Regis. R.I.P. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Big ups to Regis, huh? Yeah. Let's dedicate this one to him. Thank you. Yeah, he he would love listening to this, huh? No thanks to Kathy Lee. Didn't care for the stories about her kids. Regis carried that shell on his back. Anyhow. That's it. Love Kelly Ripa. Uh, she's fine. Love her. Kelly Ripa, okay. Michael Strahan, no. Ryan Seacrest, maybe, but also he got me too'd, but somehow survived it. Don't know what's going on with him. Regis, far and away the championship host of the live series on ABC. Yeah, I'd agree. Seacrest seems like a mean guy. Like he's mean to his uh, help. You think he's, I think he's mean to waiters. Yeah. And it's like, he's like a production assistant. I think he's a jerk. And he's short. 
Yeah, me too. Tell. You think he's I'm, short? I'm pretty sure he is short. I think that's a fact. Everyone's short on TV. Everybody's short. You ever meet a celebrity? They're all like five foot one. I don't know what the fuck's going on. They're way shorter than you think. Always. How tall do you think Ryan Seacrest is? I think he's in real life probably five seven. You got you got the numbers up for me? I got the numbers up, dude. Five 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 six. Wow. So he's actually five seven and a half. However, hey. on TV, he lips. lied and said uh, he's five nine, but he's actually five seven and a half. Bullshit, Ryan Seacrest. How does it make you feel that you could probably beat up Ryan Seacrest <laughs> just by virtue of being like 5'11 and like 230 or whatever? That well, feels pretty good, I suppose. I could just lay on him. <laughs> Maybe I will. Well, that's that. Hey, <laughs> thanks to Chris Linquist for our work, Divorce Race for our music. Thanks to you for sticking through this piece of shit all the way through. It got rewarding in the end. Well, uh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, you can find us at bookclubpodcast.com AMZ and book club on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram you got the phone number earlier give us a call 567-309-0357 call leave, in leave us a voicemail, we'll play it at the top of the show give you our feedback for whatever's ailing you you know uh, after last week's I didn't think we could get worse last week's was good minus all my snafus and me saying problematic shit could have used no, a little right. bit of that spice this week I suppose uh yeah that's that's it that's the end everybody have a good life we'll be back sometime soon ta-ta